Milner. Can he tee up someone in red? And he goes towards Lundgren. Hello and welcome back to Stoppage Time Soccer Show. My name is Jordan Wiegand and I have Logan Stump. Hello. And Matt Hartgrove. Hey there. Thank God we went back to the normal order. I was ready. <laughs> I was debating too. I was like, is this the right order? I don't even remember anymore. Um, so we are going to be talking some holiday soccer. This was over the Thanksgiving holidays here in uh america they don't celebrate that over in england so it was a very i'm sure for for uh you know for them it pretty much went on as usual but for us it was a little nicer having you know europa league on thursday and a game on friday and then the weekend um we did have one very boring game on the weekend that featured manchester city and Burnley, which we'll get to in a bit. But first, how was your holiday, Logan? It was good. I uh, didn't really do a whole lot. Just kind of lounged around, took the week off, hung out, um, listened and caught up on some of the Man City podcasts that I listened to and the guy that I listened, the two guys that I listened to on um, City Extra, which is the main city channel on YouTube. And it's really good. So um, enjoyed that and played FIFA the whole time and um, finally seem to have a season where I'm not getting my teeth kicked in by Burnley and stuff like that. It's really hard when you play on whatever that legendary or whatever um, on FIFA. So it makes me want to cry sometimes. But other than that, it's pretty good. Matt, how was yours? Uh, it was pretty good. I actually spent it most of the day cleaning. So I, I kind of used it as a normal off day. Watched some Star Wars, some Clone Wars. Get ready for Mandalorian. Hell yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, watched, I actually did not watch a lot of American football. It just, none of the games really seemed all that exciting, so I just kind of ignored it. Um, but yeah, just kind of sat around, had some pasta, uh, made a gigantic cookie. Uh, and yeah, uh, just kind of chilled for the rest of the evening. It was a nice little day off. Yeah, I, I watched the Lions game, I think, and then uh, I went over to my in-laws for dinner um uh and that you know we watched <laughs> some of the thing. some of the cowboy game but other than that when it came to sunday i did not really watch any of the games there's so much of a you know uh crap show with all of the with all of the injuries and covid stuff that it was uh none of them were very interesting to me I didn't really, I didn't really want to watch a wide receiver play for 
quarterback for the Broncos. It was really bad. It sounded bad. I saw the stat lines. Um, so the Saints had a. I know this isn't European soccer. This year European football, but even the the Saints had a tight end also at quarterback. So right. Uh, well, let's move over from American football to the English football. Um, we had a game on Friday, Crystal Palace versus Newcastle. Uh, Logan had Crystal Palace winning. I had a nil-nil draw. Matt had a 1-1 draw, and it came out to be a 2-0 win by Newcastle. 88 minutes in, Callum Wilson scores, and then Joelleton scores 90 minutes in, so two late goals there on the Friday match to give Newcastle three points. Uh, thoughts, Logan, at all on this performance by Newcastle and uh, anything at all about Crystal Palace? Um, it was good to see Joe Ellington play well. I know that people all over Twitter, because whenever I, it seems like whenever I do tweet, um, the, the people that get mo- most rambunctious on Twitter that I've seen like retweeted and stuff and because I follow the game feed, um, Crystal Palace fans uh, and Newcastle fans tend to go uh, nuts on their Twitter feeds a little bit more than other teams that I notice. And it, it was fun listening to um, Newcastle people talk because I guess they've ripped him forever, um, just not being able to score and stuff. So it was cool to see him get on the score sheet uh, and play well um, because he played pretty well the whole time. Um, and then just everything we always talk about, uh, without Zaha, Crystal Palace is just completely lost. Uh, Etsy played pretty well, but besides that, it's just so hard to to win or even you know get any kind of attack going without Zaha because he's just so good. Matt, any any thoughts at all on Crystal Palace and uh, you know Winnie the Pooh and uh, Tigger and them not uh, doing so hot this week? Fantastic restaurant, best best <laughs> breakfast in Walt Disney World. Um, uh, not too many thoughts. I I actually didn't get to watch any of it because I was work was kind of hectic around the afternoon. But um, it's probably a disappointing result for them. I know both teams have had their COVID issues too, um, but clearly, like kind of Logan's kind of mentioned before, Zaha is so important, and I think that's just further proving the point there that. Without him, do they really have much much else going for them, which is obviously a dangerous game to play um, in terms of the Premier League season. But hopefully they can get back on track, and hopefully everything with Newcastle works out, because I know that they just announced a lot of COVID stuff today. Um, yeah, that's pretty much all I got on that game. All right, Saturday, November 8th, uh, 28th, sorry. Whew, we're already almost done November. Uh Brighton won, Liverpool won, 7.30 a.m. Saturday match. Uh, 20 minutes in, Malpe gets a, uh, you know, misses a penalty for Brighton. Uh, There was also some point in here the Mo Salah goal that was ruled out for offside. Then we also had the Mane goal ruled out for offside. We had a Jota's goal 60 minutes in. And then 90 plus three minutes in, a VAR penalty given to Brighton. Pascal Gross steps up to convert it, and the game finishes 1-1. Uh, we'll start with you this time, Matt. 
since this is your team here. Thoughts on one one first? Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, in in looking back on the game, that honestly was a good, probably the right result. Um, Liverpool are. You know, I, I don't want to say the injuries are going to be a, a huge cause for a lot of stuff. I really wish I could say that. But I think when you watch them, you can see how tired they are. Um, they just don't look they don't look the same. These players are they don't have enough depth. Klopp kind of said it perfectly today when somebody asked him, is, is he going to prioritize like any competitions? And he goes, I don't have the players to prioritize anything. Um and I think you can really see where the injuries are affecting them at that point. Um, and again, in this game, because of Milner getting hurt, it led to Curtis Jones, a 19-year-old center attacking mid, playing right back. Because <laughs> that's that's all they had. They didn't have much else to, to bring on. So I think Liverpool needs some good news. And I, they kind of got some earlier today with a few of the players are close to returning, not for tomorrow, but um they also found out Tiago's probably out until the next year um it just he didn't break anything didn't tear anything but it sounds like it was a bone bruise that just hasn't hasn't really healed um and now we rumors with Allison possibly having COVID which would be like the sixth or seventh player on Liverpool to have COVID this year um so hopefully there's some good news and that's not the case but you know, they just got to keep powering through to January. These fixtures are just not, they're just too close together, I think. And it's really affecting the team um, in the terms of it all. But I think the bigger story more is just bars usage and slight inconsistencies with what needs to be done with VAR and how it needs to be used. Because did it get the calls right? I mean, looking back on it, probably it got the calls right. Only one that I think super questionable right now is that Salah offside only because is that really clear and obvious? Was it really clear and obvious that he, the ref missed it? I don't believe so in my knowledge of what clear and obvious means, but you know, I'm sure we'll have more conversations about VAR as the week goes on because that wasn't the only game to have an offside that was just not clear and obvious in terms of what VAR is there for. Um, yeah, we'll just kind of see how Liverpool get going on here. A couple big games, and that's all I got with them. Logan, your thoughts on Brighton and Liverpool? Yeah, I agree with Matt. I think that you're starting to see a little bit of the effects that the injuries have on Liverpool, especially when they're not as deep, um, when they've got players that are hurt, especially guys that they rely on. Um, and looking out there when you don't have certain players playing that can just lock down that midfield, um, Tiago sounds like he's going to be out until next year. Um, it just doesn't doesn't bode well for Liverpool, especially with the fixtures getting tight here, because this is when we talked about the fixtures where you have like a, a Monday, you know, Thursday or Sunday, Wednesday kind of stuff. And it's just, it's a disaster. December will be. Um, so I'm just hoping that, you know, and it's not fair to them. I mean, injuries suck as they as it is. But just watching Liverpool just start to just fall apart because people don't have healthy hamstrings and, and, and their you know muscle issues and stuff. It's just it's hard to do. It's hard to play like that. Yeah. Um, 
I guess let, let's talk some of the controversial decisions because I feel like uh, that's what most people are going to want to hear about here. Uh, the Mo Salah offsides. Uh, Logan, offsides or, or not? Yeah, I think so. I think both of the, I think there were two calls that, that were called offsides. I think they both got these decisions right. I mean, it, it's so tough because now, I mean, you're going to say they get them right because, I mean, essentially they are. Um, and But the rule's taken so literally now. And, and with, I mean, even today, and we'll get into that too, I'm assuming, but just an inch, uh, you can tell with technology nowadays. So I, there's just not any getting away with that. And it does kind of take away that freedom um, that people have just to, to get out in front and get an open play and um, put a shot on goal. So, yeah, I, I mean, I agree with the, the decisions um, as far as offsides for the most part. Um, if you look at how the rules are written, uh, I just don't like that it seems so tic-tac that we're just looking at, I mean, just inches or a guy's shirt blows in the wind or his nose is big. Um, it's going to cause some issues. So I don't know how you fix it except go back to playing the way that they were and, and creating some kind of, you know, like we've always talked about, if there's an obvious situation where it gives somebody an advantage, but then you're getting more into judgment and then people are obviously going to feel like refs have a vendetta against somebody. So I don't know. I agree with them. Um, yeah. Matt alluded to uh, his thoughts there on Mo Salah's uh, offsides. I, I do think he was offsides. Uh, now, the issue I see a lot of people bringing up, and I think you brought this up on our text, Matt, about the player's right foot being uh, where the line was drawn. Is the, yeah, the, I, and I, you know, I've tried to replicate it in my, in my apartment. Um, yeah. I, I, I don't think it changes. I don't think it changes anything. I don't think it would have magically caused it to be onside. I think... It, it, it is just a weird how they decide where to to draw the lines because mm-hmm. to have your right foot in front of your left hip, it it's not easy and it's not a it it's not a motion that you would catch unless you legitimately freeze frame something to the I don't even know if there is there anything less than I'm is there, what's less than like a millisecond like nanosecond like you have to you have to catch it at like the exact right time to get that right foot in front of the left hip. And like I said, I don't think it changes the call. I think something that I think the two offsides calls were the exact positive and negative of VAR, like how VAR should have been used versus how VAR shouldn't be getting used Mm -hmm. because the second offside call was awful. Like, I don't know how the ref missed it. You know, Mane was his whole freaking half of his body was offside. Right. If you look at that, if you look at the freeze frame, it's like it's almost like say that the defenders are a wall. Mane's literally peeking out around the corner, like you. It, it's not even like close. And I think that's what VAR is there for. VAR is for those clear and obvious errors that are missed by the refs, where you look at it and go, "I can see it immediately. This is definitely offside. It was an error. We got to change it." Because, because in a way, like that's very much an advantage to the player, and that shouldn't be allowed. Whereas Salah's and the, the others later on in the week, they they look. It, it's hard to say that that's clear and obvious because in any freeze frame, say that freeze frame is a cup like a, just a millisecond earlier or a second later, 
you could probably make a case for either way because Mm -hmm. you don't get it. There's not an exact moment that they get on that camera screen or the computer screen that goes, this is the exact moment that we need to be going for all sides. It's a judgment call at that point. And I think that's where the clear and obvious error for VAR is causing an issue because it's meshing with the, it's meshing with just the game itself and the flow of the game and what you can see with the naked eye. And I think that's where these two offsides calls were the exact positive and negative of VAR and how it should be getting used. I think if you have to draw these lines, which are drawn, I know they're drawn on a computer, but they're drawn by the ref. So this is still something the ref is drawing. So it's still in a way human error. You know, if you have to do all of this and take a minute, two minutes, three minutes, you know, in, in the NFL, you know, in that instance, they end up just going, there isn't refutable evidence that we can legitimately change this call because is it really like, did we catch it at that exact time? And I think that's where they're handling VAR incorrectly because it's causing these minuscule issues to be overturned when in a way you could see it going both ways. Do I think they, they did get the call right? He was offside, but at the same time, that freeze frame showed him that just a little bit, but at, you know, if they do draw it from a different spot, could he have been offside? What if they decided at that point to draw it from his elbow or whatever the mid upper arm and say, what if that had put him onside? It just seems if, if you're saying clear and obvious and you have to do all this work and, and research into the call, I don't think that's clear and obvious. And now you're just trying to make sure every minute detail is getting called correctly. And if you're going to do that, then you have to do it for everything. You have to do it for every tackle in the box. You know, Harry Maguire tackling as Piliqueta a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Every time somebody gets knocked down on a corner, you got to start looking at all of them because if you're not being consistent with these small, non-clear and obvious errors, then you have to tell us why you're picking and choosing on certain things. I know offsides is easy to pick when there's a goal scored because it's a goal scoring. It, a goal got scored, so they always automatically repeat right. it. But that's, the, I think, the issue that I, a lot of Liverpool players kind of came out and said it. Like, you know, a lot of them agreed with the call. It actually, it sounded like, and I know the, the, the penalty later, it sounded like Liverpool players were more agreeing with the penalty than the Brighton players were from what the interviews being, you know, told were. And the problem, though, is it's just were the calls made correct? It looks like they were correct, but at the, it's just clear and obvious should be clear and obvious and it shouldn't have if you have to debate it every week it's not clear and obvious uh so i would say that i thought both of these offsides calls were the proper way var should be used like i I can see what you're maybe saying here but like when i'm looking at this without the lines drawn even i think salah looks uh off by a foot and I think that, and the and the picture that they're basing it off of is like the I don't know who's passing it to him. I can't see it's so blurry, but um, who's ever passing it to him? It looks like that's when the ball is being passed. Like the ball hasn't really even left his foot yet, I guess. But um, what what Dale Johnson says about it on there is that um, that really. Uh, he said, even to entertain the theory that the boot is the incorrect body point, it doesn't mean White's whole body shifts closer to goal. The line moves back to the shoulder, 
and makes Salah offsides as well because the shoulder is pretty much lined up with his foot. So I feel like it doesn't make that big of a difference um, after all. But um, I, I think the Salah one is uh, is is I think the that one's more clear and obvious than uh, the Ali Watkins one that we'll, that we'll get to later. Um, Logan, how about that that penalty? Uh, that gets called in stoppage time here. Uh, I saw a lot of online, uh, you know, controversy around it. What was your thoughts on the penalty? For people that don't know, if you didn't see it, uh, who was it, Matt, that goes after it with him? Was it Robertson? With uh... Yeah, it was uh, Robertson. Robertson and Welbeck. Um, Logan, your thoughts on the penalty call through VAR? So which one? Is, this is the. I'm sorry, I can't. Uh, the Liverpool one, yeah. Liverpool versus Brighton. Uh, yeah, but what what was it again? Like he was. Oh no no no! I remember now. I remember the one where he was trying to clear it and they kicked each other. Yeah. Yeah yeah yeah. Um, the so, and I know Matt and I disagree on this one. Um, but I think the way that the rule reads, uh, if and Tim Howard was talking about it, if the attacking player touches the ball first and clearly touches it and then is followed up by a foot that kicks him and hits him in any way uh, in a way that's not, you know, in a way that's not a football play, like a contact play, then it's got to be a penalty. And he, when he swings through, it does suck because it's, there's nothing Robertson could have done about it, but as he's swinging his foot, uh, Welbeck gets in and he barely, the bottom of the cleat hits the ball down into the ground and then Robertson's foot came up and hit Danny Welbeck's foot. Now, I will admit, Matt, like, <laughs> it was the worst flop job I've ever seen. He kind of, like, I don't know what he did. He kind of, like, turned around, and he, like, started to run a little bit, but then he realized he got kicked, and so then he, like, drops, and it, and then you're like, what the heck is that? Like, that's what, what's going on? But the whole thing was that because Welbeck's cleat, his boot hits the ball first, and then Robertson hits him after – it's it's contact in the box and because he's in the box and and I agree that maybe if this is in the middle of the pitch it doesn't get as much of attention but I think because it's in the box and because it's you know something that they would look at for VAR I think it's something that they see as something they could have missed so they looked at it and then they decided that it was a penalty because the contact was made um, which you know by law that's what it says it's it's obviously it's missed so it's something that they can go and look at and check over to make sure that they get it right. And then they overturn it and say that he did end up click, you know, clipping the back of his foot. So I agree with it. Um, it sucks because of the circumstance and, and where, you know, Robertson could have done really anything about it. It just happens, but that, that's my thought on it. Yeah. I think one thing um, that I usually see sometimes uh, on any team, any league uh, of of soccer when it comes to this type of stuff is people saying well he wasn't he wasn't intending to hurt him he was going for the ball but unfortunately intent is not usually part of the the rule anymore or the decision uh so i, I do agree that this is a, a penalty in that regard is it soft 
Yeah, but I would also say that I think that um, you kind of alluded to this, Logan. Maybe it's not as big of a deal somewhere else on the pitch, but I do think it's a foul anywhere else on the pitch. And I feel like if I think it's a foul anywhere else on the pitch, I think it has to be a penalty. I'm not too big of a fan when refs will call something outside of the box, and then if the same thing happens inside of the box, they they don't call it. Kind of like that whole, like we were just talking about, the Harry Maguire... Uh, as Pilaqueta thing, like if that if as if Aaron McGuire is taken out as Pilaqueta, you know, choke holding him on any other part of the pitch, that's going to be uh, a foul. But because it's in the box, it's like refs clam up to I can't call this. I don't want to be the deciding factor of the game. And uh, so so for me, I, I mean, I do think Welbeck sells it, and that's maybe the reason why they looked at it. I don't know, but um. Yeah, I do think that that was a penalty. Unfortunately for Brighton, they could have won the game if they made the Mal Bay one uh, as well. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, Matt, I even saw your boy Jamie Carricker saying that this was uh, that this was right. Yeah. And he betrayed it's just, you. It's, <laughs> um, he made Everton fans really mad uh, later <laughs> later in the day. Um, you know, it's, it's just one of those instances where, you know, looking back, yeah, I, I see the penalty. I think what's, I think what's, again, what's bothersome is I guess I don't see it as a clear and obvious error because in real time watching it, I, nobody really, nobody called anything. What happened? It, it just was there. And I think it's hard to, in real time, would they have called that anywhere on the, on the pitch? And I actually don't. I don't think they really would have. I, if that happened midfield, I, I, part of me just doesn't see it getting called for a foul on anybody. And then at that point, because it's not a foul inside the box, it's not getting reviewed. And I think that's where VAR just kind of shows you so many. If you were to, if you were to really review every play inside the box, I think you would be seeing three to four penalties a game, because I, it just happens. If you see every corner, I swear somebody's getting held. Well, they should be. call those because it'll make people stop holding on corners. I, I mean, that's part of the but problem what, for me. They're, that's why players always that point, hold. Though, at that point, though, like, what do you? It, it it's almost it's like it's it's hard to watch or figure out how is somebody supposed to defend anymore because at at the same time, say Welbeck gets the ball right on and they if he hits that ball right on or if he misses it, Robertson hits either. It's a collision between him, the ball, and Welbeck, or Robertson kicks it. So the fact that Welbeck got the very tip of it to change direction led to two feet colliding instead of foot a football sandwich or just Robertson kicking it. And so at that point, it's should Robertson not have attempted anything at that point? And yeah, it's, it's not. Some, a, I mean, when you're in the box, you can't just go. But my whole thing is if you're like. But then if he doesn't go for it and say Welbeck, he gets the ball, gets it under control, kicks it in, easy goal, then you're looking at going, why didn't Robertson make any attempt on it? And then it's it's same with some of the handballs that the league is seeing constantly. Like It's almost making it to where defenders, the only way to defend right now is to just put your hands behind your back yeah. and, and just not move your feet. Like You don't put your feet out there and hope they kick it at you and they hit your face or they hit your chest. Or they hit your groin area. Like it, it just seems like that's, it's it's taking like it that's taking away just the defensive aspect of the game, and it's just not 
I don't think you're going to get any footballer not going for the ball in that instance. It, like I said, it, it, it most likely looking at it, it looks like a penalty and that, you know, VAR did its job in terms of calling pr- the right call. But mm-hmm. at the same time, should, is this something that they need to start using? If they're going to, if VAR is going to be used correctly, do they need to look at every single one of these plays? Because I think that's what you have to do. You either have to use it for every single play because I, I, to me, it's just not a clear, it's not a clear and obvious error where watching it, people were going, that's a penalty. That's definitely a penalty. It, it looks like it's a penalty because when you slow it down, you can see what happens. And that's why it gets called because VAR sees it and goes, that's a foul. Cause we now can see it at, you know, eight mm-hmm. times slower than real life. And I think that's just where players just want that consistency. If you're going to be calling that, you need to call it every single time. And you need to do it every single time with VAR. VAR needs to check that every single time there's a possible collision in the box. VAR should be checking it then. Because it's the only way to make it consistent and stop having these issues. Yeah, I, I think the issue, though, is that uh, you know that there's a ref in the VAR room that's going to have his own thought uh, to tell the guy to look at it. So maybe somebody else wouldn't have thought to look at this. Um, my thought is, I, I don't see it taking the defensive outside. Like As somebody that grew up when I was playing, I remember being told all the time, put your hands behind your back in the box defending and to um, you know, not go s- swinging... Like I understand he's going for the ball, but I feel like you have to read the situation as well. And if I remember it right, Welbeck wasn't really facing goal either when he got it. So like at that point, he would be able to like if he does if he decides not to go for it, he gets behind Welbeck, you know, and, and kind of closes him down, you know, or tries to stick a foot Welbeck in there later. Heading, but Welbeck was heading toward goal. Because I, I, I remember when I watched the ball go out, I honestly thought they collided and the ball just went backwards. Like when I watched that in real time, it looked as though the way the ball kind of ricocheted was that it hit both players. And like I said, like Welbeck, honestly, like he stayed on his feet and I just thought his momentum carried him down because that can happen when you jump up and you kind of walk a few steps, your momentum takes you down. Um I don't know. I, I just think it's hard. I, I don't really think Robertson could have done much else different because he saw the ball and was going to kick the ball. And at the last second, Welbeck comes in and, and gets it with his foot. And then that causes the feet to collide instead of him getting the ball. And it's, it's just unfortunate. And then Robertson admitted it. Like he just said, you know, I, I believe he did say like, you know, it's a penalty. It's just, we just want consistency because he's like that exact similar type play happened multiple times in the previous weekend and nothing got called. They didn't even check it, you know, it's so it's like if you just there has to be some sort of consistency with the refs. And that's where we just end up back at the same debate every week is that the refs need to either figure out a set rule for it or they need to just start giving some sort of clarity, like some sort of transparency with why certain things get called and don't because they're really just protected. They don't have to give a they don't have to give a press conference. You know, they make the call and then they just go on to their next game. And then you sit there and go, well, why did he make that call? And it, I don't know, it's, it's, it's rough because you just don't know what's happening with any of them. So I just watched it again here. Um, I mean, he's kind of running diagonally into the box. I, I don't think with his momentum here, he's actually going to get a shot off. 
uh, if he gets the ball. So I, I like, uh, I don't know. It's hard to say. I'm sure, you know, the, the defender or Robertson's instinct at that point is to try to get the ball. But uh, I know that, uh, I don't know if it was me, I'd probably be, uh, I'd, I'd be hesitant to stick my foot in any challenge in the box, really. And that's how I play in FIFA. <laughs> I just kind of do the left trigger thing where they kind of stay in, you know, like where I can kind of stay in front of them and kind of, wait for it and try to push them in a different way. But uh, I think that's enough about this game, I guess. Uh, Logan, your Manchester City destroy Burnley 5-0. That was a 10 a.m. match on Saturday. Uh, Mares, uh, six minutes in, 22 minutes in, then Mendy, 41 minutes in, Ferran Torres, 66 minutes in, and Mares with the hat trick, 69 minutes in. Now, Logan, go ahead and give Mares a uh, an apology on the show here, because you always talk crap about him, and here he is scoring a hat trick against Burnley. And he listens. Yeah, and he's, he's, a, he's a listener to the show, right. too. Right. Re- re- <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, but uh, he he actually played really well. Uh, the, the problem has been with him is he likes to have the ball at his feet a little too much. That's always the complaint about him, that he... Gets a little too excited once he gets on some of these streaks that he has. Um, but again, he—I mean—he's never lacked the ability to score. He's always been able to score pretty well. Um, and this is first hat trick with City, um, which is you know really cool to watch. And his a couple of his were really good goals. Um, he's had a couple of good goals this year. Um, the other one was in Leicester. He he leads the the team in scoring with four. Um, which is crazy to say because uh, there's just so many other people out there that are scoring like crazy. But City, who usually score in loads, um, only have you know their top score with four goals. But again, he he looked good. He looks uh, he's physical. He, he's big. Um, he's pretty quick. So when when he's playing well, it, it goes well. When he's not playing well, it seems to be that he just you know has the ball at his feet a little too much, and that's what gets people frustrated with him. Um, I don't know if this really carries on because he's not—he's not typically a player that plays on momentum. Um, he, you know, and plus it's really hard with them because a lot of their guys get switched in and out. Uh, and with Sterling playing, I'm not even sure he is in the side, um, which is you know because of Ferran Torres and the way that he's played. Um, I'm a little concerned with Torres because he seems to—and he's young—but I'm afraid that you know the big clubs tend to lock him up really well and he gets a little hesitant to get involved um i will say the the, the brightest spot for me with city right now uh, is de bruyne he's finally and people were ripping him all over twitter saying that he's he's been boring this year and he's not very good this year um but he silently has nine assists in 10 games that he's played this year um which is right up there to where he's normally been um with assists and, and even better than his rate um for the last couple of years he's pretty he's gotten off you know off the off the stretch um pretty well but i think the way that he's playing he put a ball into mendy that was really nice um and and you don't ever expect mendy to score so that was pleasant but i think de bruyne if he plays the way that he did uh against burnley then i I think that city can finally get some attack going because it's something they're they've struggled with but it's good to see it's good to see Old City show up when it's you know a five 0 victory over a team that they should pounce all over. Um, I just hope that it 
can carry on, and I, I think it might because they play Fulham Saturday. So um, a good stretch of games to get the uh, the attack going, especially with Aguero uh, back and healthy. So I, I was really impressed with the performance. Yeah, this is a uh, Matt. Is it is it Man City finding form, or is it just Burnley? <laughs> I mean, if you want to go this, if you want to go statistically, it's Man City facing Burnley. <laughs> the last four games have been five nil at the Etihad. Um, I, I I don't know. Like I, I I think partially it's it's Man City doing what you know Man City can do because they are still incredibly talented. Um, but also, I I just think it's something you want to see happen more consistently though in terms of other teams right now because it can't just be man city just has burnley's number I, they just don't have a good matchup there um so we'll see what happens over the next few games before i could actually sit there and say it wasn't just a burnley you know burnley man city game that happened the way it always happens all right everton leads Logan and Matt got the winners right on this one with Leeds winning, but the scoreline incorrect. They had 3-1 for Logan, 2-1 for Matt. I had 2-1 for Everton, and I should probably stop picking them at this point. Uh, Rafina scores 79 minutes in to uh, give Leeds the win. Matt, you referenced Jamie Carragher got uh, Everton fans upset. Was it about the game? Uh, I missed this, if if so. Uh, what happened I, here? It, yeah, it it was more so he he made a comment saying Richarlson's uh, is like spends more time on the ground than he does in like anywhere else, or he was he's the biggest flopper in the game or in the Premier League or something. I guess it he said it's because Richarlson when he falls on the ground he always acts as though it's a serious serious injury, when in reality he gets back up like two seconds later. Um, so very Neymar like I guess. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, and then they all. Oh, he's win. Brazilian, he, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> and then all the Everton fans go like, "Oh, you, you played on Liverpool, who have Mane and Salah, who are the biggest divers in the game, or something like that." And it's they 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 were pretty pissed off. But it was actually kind of funny. I think Richarlison even responded on Twitter, which is probably not what you would want as an Everton fan for him to really care what somebody's saying, and then like tweet some emoji of like the kissy face or something like that. I think is what he tweeted back, um, and I guess in sarcasm. But yeah, he he pissed him off a pretty decent amount. I don't feel sorry for Everton after they hurt Van Dyke and Thiago. I don't have any sympathy for that team. All right, uh, Logan. Any thoughts on the Leeds side of the game here? Yeah, I thought Rafina played really well. He created chances. He got people open. Um, he and Jack Harrison played extremely well without much added from Bamford, which is really weird to watch when Leeds play. And they're, they've got probably one of the silent killers in goal. I think Messley is really good, just really solid. Um, seems to always be in the right spot at the right time. Uh, he's made He made a really nice save at the beginning of the game when Everton tried to fire two in. Um, but again, I, I think when you talk about Everton and when they start to slide, it's because... If James isn't getting things started and Richarlson's flopping around like a fish, um, I just don't see. I don't see where they can get much of an attack going because Dominic uh, Calvert-Lewin, he really 
he doesn't take the ball and score on his own, really. Um, he relies a lot on people around him to create chances for him. And, and when they can't create, um, and I was watching James specifically this game, just seems, you know, and he's not, he's never been real fleet of foot, but he's just not quick. So when you've got teams that are quicker, and Leeds is pretty young, so they're pretty quick and lively, um, it's really hard to to get things created for Calvert to win and, and get chances for him because he likes to play in the air more than most strikers would just because of his height. Um, but again, I, I was really impressed with the way Bielsa played Everton and just kind of sat back and, you know, pressed them when they needed to and, and got some chances in. Um, but yeah, I was really impressed with Rafina. I thought he looked good. All right. Um, West Brom won Sheffield nil 13 minutes in Gallagher scores for West Brom Sheffield in some trouble here. Uh, this was the last game of Saturday. Sheffield still, as we're going to talk about here in last place with one point. Um, not going so hot for a team that stayed uh, that that was pretty well off last season. Matt, any thoughts on? Uh, I mean, this was a battle of the relegation teams here with West Brom and Sheffield, and <laughs> looks like West Brom is the one that got the better of uh, a team that was once very defensive last season. Did pretty well last season. What's what's going on at Sheffield? I, you know, I I actually don't think it is much to do defensively I, I do think they overperformed last year which is partly why at the start of the year I, I kind of felt they were going to be a bit of a not a disappointment to this extent but they they just don't they don't have an attack they don't no none of their players really threaten to score but they have four goals this year I I know two of them are definitely penalties I'm not sure about the other two but when you can't score you're Burnley's proven it too. When you can't score, you're not going to win games. Um, hell, you're not even really going to be able to draw many games if you can't score. Um, they're just in a lot of trouble. Uh, their team is just not. Their team's not talented to an extent that it can handle this kind of run of form. If they struggle, they're going to continue struggling. It looks like. Um, I, I apparently, I, I think I read somewhere that. They have the worst point total after ten games, maybe, in the like Premier League history, and it just doesn't look like it's going to get much better for them. Um, and honestly, I really don't know where else they, they can go. It's not like they have European games to to cope with. They're already out of the Carabao Cup. They got knocked out in September. Um, it's not like they're struggling for fatigue because they have one of the least played games really in terms of teams inside the premier league and they didn't deal with the championship last year like west brom fulham and leeds where you already get extra eight games it's i I don't see a positive and i just don't see it's gonna they're they're gonna be relegated it's just a matter of do they set the record for lowest point total in a year it seems like at this point and what is that record do we know we're gonna have to look that up. By Derby. I, yeah, I, I think, think it's eleven by 11, Derby. Eleven, yeah, I think. I think he's right because I remember when they were talking about Fulham 
which honestly now they don't even look close to what that's what they're going to get. But yeah, I think eleven is yeah like eleven Derby in two thousand seven, two thousand eight, Darby County. There currently Sheffield is averaging to end up with four points. All right, that's so we will see a record-breaking season. Maybe that sounds pretty historic. Uh, not in the right way for Sheffield fans. Uh, how many points did they have last year? Let me check here. They were pretty good last year. They were what? Yeah, they were in like ninth, they, eighth or ninth, tenth. I thought. I don't know. Let's. Uh, yeah, they, ended up they were like ninth table. Tenth. They they, yeah, ground, ninth, they grinded out. They grinded out games. I mean, their defense. I would say their defense is probably a little worse than last year's. Um, I just think it's their their attack is just when it's it's this bad. Especially in a year like this, where it seems like teams are scoring for fun. <laughs> I mean, so they were, them. yeah, they were in ninth place. So they have 54 points last year. So they had 53 more points than they have right now. So that would mean that they would have to get, uh, oh my, what's 53 divided by three? <laughs> well, how many games? So they have they have 28 games left. So okay, so they have to win 17 games to match the total. And actually, it doesn't work <laughs> out perfectly. So if they win 18 of the yeah. remaining 20-some that they have, uh, that'd be a pretty historic run to get back up there. I don't think that's going to happen. But They have uh, to average 1.9 points a game. So they have, they have to be winning like every <laughs> game pretty much and maybe the occasional draw. Uh, <laughs> yep. So sorry, they Chef really haven't fans. played. They, yeah, they really haven't played. Uh, I mean, they played the, some of the big guys once, but uh, I know they played City and Chelsea. No, they played City and Liverpool once. I know. So they played Chelsea. Yeah. Did they play Chelsea? Okay, I didn't know if they had played them yet. Or They've not. also played. I mean, they haven't exactly had like I guess the easiest of schedules: Wolves, um, Arsenal. Sorry, my phone went weird on me. Villa, Leeds. Okay, um, so those are actually pretty had, good games. They've actually played some tough games. Yeah. I would say the Fulham game was the one they got points. That was probably the easiest game that they've Point. They got point, had. not points. They got, they got a point. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> they have. So it's it's not getting much easier before the end of the year because their next game is Leicester. Then they face Southampton, who's you know playing really well. Then they face Man United, who's playing well. And then they got Brighton, so that kind of eases up. Then they get Everton, so that's going to be all right. That's a tough one. And then they get Burnley. So, you know, maybe they, they out of those six games, you're looking at a chance at maybe two points. Here's the thing. They're only five points from safety right now. Uh, so it, pretty much they need six. So two wins right now and uh, two losses for West Brom and Burnley, and they're safe. Currently, so I mean, like it, it could yeah, theoretically but, happen, but uh, yeah. that's how bad the other two teams are as well. Um, last season, least, like, they just, Norwich was the bottom team in, in twenty points last year. They just Norwich. need to like put in like a good game. I, I think that's the problem. Like you know, Fulham mm-hmm. will get to it. Fulham, you know, played has has actually played a few games where you're like, oh, you could see them getting some wins. West Brom has done that. Burnley hasn't. Um, but like in Brighton, honestly, like seeing Brighton with ten points, that you know they lost one point from that you know penalty after the final whistle. Like they've had a couple of games where you're like they should have gotten points out of those games and they didn't because of some stupidity or you know players not playing well. But like they're not better after you get to Brighton. I mean, nobody above Brighton is even close to their level. Palace, Arsenal, Newcastle. So it's like 
the teams besides Burnley have at least put in efforts where you're like, yeah, they're going to get some points. But Sheffield, you you don't. Yeah, they can't even they get just, some. They only got one. <laughs> yeah, their their effort has just not been good. I think um, you also have to look at too. Like I, I think I just wanted to say, like on the West Brom side, West Brom. If you look at their games too, they're actually playing better than what their results show. Because I remember watching them play Everton. They were tied two to two at half, but it was that red card crazy stuff that I think it was Pereira got and Slavin or Village got uh, Village got thrown out because he like basically attacks the ref. Um, they played Chelsea in that weird game where Chelsea, I think that was when they scored three straight or something like that. Um, and, and they've kept United 1-0. They've kept Tottenham 1-0. So their defense seems to have it figured out. It's just a matter of can West Brom score enough to you know, put Fulham back to where they belong and possibly Brighton once it comes down to it because Brighton can't score very well either. So. Uh, so one last thing here uh, about this is actually, while City, Villa, and Man United are in 11th through 9th in that order, City was 11th, Aston Villa 10th, Manchester United 9th, they all have only nine games so far, while everybody else has 10. If any of those three win that game in hand, they can jump into the top four as it stands right now. Um, Most likely one of them. Tight, will, isn't, yeah, isn't cities isn't cities versus Villa? Yeah, it's, yes, uh, yeah, yeah. So obviously yeah, Villa win that one. That'll get Villa up to the top four. Not unless Jack Grealish <laughs> comes to City and then Jack Grealish beats his old team. That that's yeah. very Yankees of you to steal a player <laughs> and then that's make them fine. play against them. Don't that's very gonna Yankees. Need, you're going to need Villa to struggle before if they're in tenth with that close. They're they're not selling Grealish. No, yeah, because they can make no, a run here. Yeah. That's what they said. They said summer because there's no way that the way that Villa's playing that they'll sell Grealish right now. Um, moving on to the Sunday games, Southampton 2, Manchester United 3, 9 a.m., 23 minutes in. Bednarik, I guess is how you say it. Southampton scores. Ward-Prowse scores 33 minutes in, and it's 2-0 Southampton before the half. Then it gets to halftime, and it's still 2 nothing. and people are, like, making fun of Manchester United, and I wanted to slap them. Uh, what did I tell you, Logan? I think it was the Crystal Palace United game, where it got a little nervy at the end there, and you were making fun of them, and I was like, you can't make fun of them until the whistle blows, okay? Because that's how Manchester United are. It happened that way when Ferguson was the manager, it's lost some of that recently, but sometimes they still pull it out of their butts. Bruno Fernandez, 59 minutes in, scores a non-penalty. Uh, we get 74 minutes in. Edison Cavani, the free transfer that nobody wanted. 90 plus 3, he gets the winner. Uh, I am going to flaunt this. I am the only one on this show that said Cavani will produce well for United and that he would be uh, an upgrader, you know, that he would fit in. He'd be the Zlatan of uh, this United team. So I'm just going to say I'm right. On that end, as ESPN pointed out, he has more goals than Aguero, <laughs> who's played one match. Cavani <laughs> hasn't God, played that many that. though either, though. So to be honest, he's he, got three goals. He has outscored Aubameyang, so that's impressive. Yes, because um, 
Pierre usually scores a crap ton. Yeah, Cavani, uh, how many games has Cavani played here? Uh, he's got 42. Okay, so he's played three matches. No, that's in the Champions League. Sorry, I'm trying to find. He's played eight matches, three goals for United. He's averaging a goal every 42 minutes, which is the highest right now in the Premier League. Uh, so he's he's on fire right now. Um, I would have taken him. I, I wanted him over here in MLS, actually. I thought he would have been a good fit for Miami or, you know, a team like that. Um, but Manchester United, they, they squeak one out again as they are one to do. And like I just said, they are now up to ninth. They're above Manchester City um, by a point. Um, but their goal differential is zero. They have... <laughs> That's pretty interesting. 16 goals for, 16 goals against, but they're uh, five wins, one draw, and three losses. So pretty interesting there. Thoughts on your Crosstown rivals, Logan? I'm still interested to see how they play. I mean, they played Chelsea when Chelsea hadn't quite got their feet underneath them yet. Uh, they beat Everton. Um they they got absolutely destroyed by Spurs, so I, I'm not I don't know what to think of United yet. I don't know if and destroyed and, by uh, no, you were destroyed by Leicester. Sorry, yeah, we were crushed. I'm confusing by Manchester. Right, um, they, yeah, they only score five against us, not six. Um, <laughs> but no, I, I do. I think that when you look at United, I, I think that I think people talk about them as if they're like give United a break. Like once they get around this area, that they feel. They should not let United off this quickly because, I mean, they've got the money that City does pretty much. They've got the means that City does. They've, they've, they've got the, the, the whereabouts and, and the name to stick up there with the top two and three. Like, there's no way that this team should be out of the top four. But yet here we are again where they're going to struggle, I think, to find the top four unless they go out in January and get some kind of midfielder or – unless Van de Beek comes on and plays extremely well, because I still think, even with Cavani, and I don't, I'm not sure Cavani can play regular minutes. I, I don't know how, you know, well, how fit he is. Just double so, down but, on it, Logan. Just double yeah. down on it. So, I, and, and, you know, being a City fan, this is probably the worst person to ask, but I, I'm still not convinced that, I mean, that was a late-game heroic comeback, no doubt, no question. But that can only last so long. That can only last so long, right? I mean, I, I don't know. I want to see them beat better teams. They beat Southampton. Southampton's pretty good. But I do want to see if they can yeah, stick around points. and play with some. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think Southampton's pretty good. But throw Danny Ings in there. Is this a different game? Um, does it end differently? Can they shut it down quicker? Um, that's their captain. So I, you know, it, it is interesting. I'm, I'm excited to see where United end up, just because. I do think that they they could be really interesting if they add somebody, um, but I'm not sure that they can because it seems like everybody they try to go and add have other plans. Matt, your thought on uh, Southampton, Manchester United? Uh, uh, I don't think I really have much. You know, United. Uh, I mean, I, as Southampton, I'd be disappointed with the result, but. United seem to play well every once in a while. You know, they have moments in games. You know, they 
they seem to be playing well in Champions League, and then they'll throw a game up like West Brom where they almost look like the worst team. Um, it, it's just an inconsistency. It seems like when Ole needs a win, he he gets the win, and then watch them lose the next few games, and then his name's on the hot seat a little bit again, and then he pulls out some crazy win against either a top team or a comeback like this, and then they're like, oh, Ole's great, and you know we're in knockout stages. and It just, it just seems like a cycle that's going to continue until somebody else is at the helm, really. So, I, you know, they're, they're, they have their games like this, and they are only two points really at the top if they win that game in hand, but at the same time, they just don't feel like a threat to the teams that you're going to expect to see at the top. I don't see them as a threat to City or Chelsea or Tottenham or Liverpool because I just don't think they're better than any of them, but at the same time, they're still close to them. So it's just, it's just confusing. They're too confusing to understand right now. All right, moving on to Chelsea Tottenham, a game that I could not believe I wasted my time on this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> welcome to, welcome to Logan and I only watch city Liverpool. Oh, that was <laughs> Uh, this was right after I woke up too, cause I stayed up till like 2 AM. Um, so, uh, I wake up at 1130, flip on the game and really nothing much happens. Uh, Chelsea really just couldn't even get from what I saw. I mean, I know Abraham had some chances. I think Giroud finishes a few of those if, if he's on the pitch, but woulda, coulda, shoulda, right? Uh, Chelsea 0, Tottenham 0. That was 11.30. Uh, Logan predicted a Chelsea 2-0 win. I predicted a 3-1 Spurs win. And Matt predicted a draw. He had a 2-2 draw. Had a much more exciting draw. Um, not much really happened in this. The most notable thing that happened in this is that Pulisic came back uh, for, you know, 13 minutes. Um, yeah, I don't know if there's much to say beard. about this game. What a beard. He's got a great beard. He does. What a handsome young man. <laughs> Captain America. All right. It, Arsenal won. Like the, <laughs> Go well, ahead. Say, Do you I have something like to actually say about this? Go ahead. Is, <laughs> yeah, it, it legitimately felt like you were watching a, a typical Jose yes. game where it just felt like Tottenham kind of hung back and tried to tried to get any move on the counter. And if they weren't going to score on the counter, they never were going to score. I, I really he do believe happy. it. I, I fully believe Chelsea could have just kicked the ball around for 90 minutes and Jose would have been like, oh, great game. Like, I, I think he would have been content with it. That's how, that's why I don't like parking the bus because it just makes it look like you're not trying. And it just, it bothers me. Oh, I love There's parking no the bus. I you love like it that. Because it worked I, for Chelsea. I did. Yeah. That was, and, and it reminded me of the old uh, Ravens defense of the 2000s. Like, all my teams were defensive, you know? Like, uh, the Ravens defense would at least, like, attack you. That's yeah, well, I guess well, they would. In that sport, you can you can intercept the ball and stuff. Uh, I mean, as soon as you intercept the ball on this, you're counterattacking. I guess it's not. It's more of an attack. Um, but it was a typical Jose game. I think that's really good for Spurs. I think that helps their um, mentality that they're able to go out there. And yes, Chelsea's not great right now, um, but they go out there. They got a draw. Uh, away from home, uh, they were able to stay top of the league as it stands. Uh, for them, I think that's a pretty good weekend, really. 
Um, yeah, so it, does, it, it doesn't seem it, like Jose's out stayed as welcome yet. Uh, that's probably next season. <laughs> it, it's the kind of result. It's the kind of result with the kind of similar to Liverpool City, where at the end of the day, as a Liverpool fan, you, you take the draw and go with it because you're on the road against City, who's you know fierce rival. I think it's similar for Tottenham, where a draw was better for Tottenham than it really was for Chelsea at the end of it, because as a Chelsea, you know, the team itself is looking at going, this is the kind of game we need to win, you know, our, our rivals, we're at home, we can overtake them here, and I, no one's going to be upset with a draw, but I think in terms of it, Tottenham prefer the draw result over Chelsea, and that's exactly how Tottenham played. All right. Um, let's see here. Arsenal 1, Wolverhampton 2. I got to see the second half of this at my parents' house. Um, my poor father. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I was trying to get his thoughts on it, too. You know, like, what's going on? Because last year they fire, uh, what, Unai Emery uh, after his dreadful start. Uh, Arteta comes in. They start playing really good. Like that new manager switch, just like it happened to Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, actually, at United. And then the next season that they get a full season, it's like nothing. And I don't understand it. You know, they had the momentum from the Cup, the FA Cup. They had the momentum from the Community Shield. Then they get into, and they've actually played a lot of the top teams pretty decently. It's these uh, these teams that they should probably be winning or at least drawing against. Um there was a pretty bad head injury that I I had to go find the video of it. It's very hard to find the video of it, actually. Um, it wasn't on the highlight reel. So I had to go find that just to see kind of what happened because I missed the first half, you know, getting over there. But uh, Raul Jimenez uh, and David Luiz clash heads. And uh, it came out today that Raul Jimenez had a skull fracture. And he's in the hospital feeling comfortable, as they put it. David Luiz stayed on till the uh, till halftime, and this happened like four minutes in or you know ten minutes. It was very early in the match, um, and then he couldn't continue, so they took him out at the halftime. So I'm not really sure what happened there with the whole uh, concussion protocol. They yes. were, I would say I heard they were they were fearful of him needing to head the ball. I was like, if that's your fear, he should have been out at the same freaking time as Jimenez was because the center back's going to head the ball probably more than anyone else. And that that was their precaution, was they didn't want him heading the ball anymore. So I guess he was allowed to do it for 41 more minutes. And then after that, it was like, oof, if you head the ball another 45, it could be bad. Yeah, it was scary because when rough. he when he when he comes up too, because I saw it live and you could hear the heads clash um, because there's no fans. I mean, you could hear it. I mean, just it sounded like knocking on wood. Um, and, and when Louise tries to get up at, at first, he stands up and then he kind of like wobbles and then he like he kind of like falls down again and he puts his hand out and then he gets on a knee and they had to treat him on his knee and then he had to sit while they try like treat him on the sidelines. It was because he couldn't stand up without. You, you could see he was getting real dazed when he would stand up. And and because it took so long to get Jim Jimenez off the, the pitch, it, I think it gave him a little bit of time to kind of gather himself. 
But that's what Tim Howard said. He said, there's no way that, I mean, they have to get an official medical person there that's got no skin in both games that they could come over and say, yeah, he needs to leave the pitch too, because that they said that was just so reckless with him playing. And there was blood coming down his bandage. Like you could see it all over the place on his head. And they said that they were actually thinking that they would have taken him off just because of the, like that disease control that they do um, with blood. So yeah, it was gross. It was ugh, ugh. Yeah, definitely didn't look good at all. 27 minutes in, Neto scores for Wolves. Three minutes later, Gabrielle equalizes for Arsenal. And then 42 minutes in, Podence uh, scores for Wolves. And that was all she wrote. Um, I was watching the second half of this. Arsenal had some chances that they couldn't put away. Just another day in the life of an Arsenal fan, I guess, uh, if you're watching them. Um, today's games, Monday, Leicester 1, Fulham 2, and the shock result of the Monday games. Thankfully, we didn't predict this game. Um, 30 minutes in, Lookman scores for Fulham. 38 minutes in, Cavalero scores for Fulham. And 86 minutes in, Barnes scores for Leicester. I think that Fulham one, that, I didn't write it on here, though, but the 38-minute goal, the Cavalero goal, was a penalty. And it seems that Fulham has finally mm. converted their first penalty of the season. Um, they've actually had quite a few this season. I think it was three before today. Finally convert that one. They finally sense. get their second <laughs> win of the season. That makes that fact, like, really sad, too. They finally converted one, but it wasn't, like... They haven't had a penalty all year. It's like, no, they're fourth or fifth or tenth. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, But Leicester have a shocker here. They're still top four as it stands right now. But but, uh, Fulham get out of the relegation zone again with that win. Second win of the season. They might not be as DOA as we thought they were, Logan. What are you talking about? They're still dead in water. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Uh, Lookman looks good. I really like that addition. Um, I don't know where he came from. I don't even want to guess where he came from. He looks really good. Uh, he played. He's played well. And then um, what's the dude's name? Um, crap, I can't remember. Uh, you have to come back to me. I don't remember his name, but um, I think I think Lookman is on is from RB Leipzig. If I is he remember, I think he's on loan from them. Yeah, because he looks really good. I mean, besides his crazy-looking penalty that he tried to kick in the other day, but um, you're right, man. Nah, he... Yeah, he looks good. Oh, uh, Loftus Cheek. No, no, Bobby Reed. That's who it is. Bobby Reed's played well, um, and he played well again against Leicester, um, which is one of the reasons they won. Because I think he's the one that went down in the box that got the penalty. Lookman has had quite an interesting run here, actually, if you look at his history here. He is from England. He was at Charlton Athletic, then he went to Everton in 2017 to 2019. In 2018, he was on loan at Leipzig, and then 2019, he was at Leipzig, and then they loaned him out to Fulham. And he's only 23. (laughs) That's nuts. That's crazy. That's a long... Oh, my lord. Uh, Matt, any thoughts on Leicester or Fulham before we move on to the last game of the week? Nah, only Ben, uh, not Ben Rogers, uh, Brand, Brendan Rogers. 
Yeah, who's Ben uh, Rogers? <laughs> Brendan Rogers is getting his uh, choke job early this year, it seems like. Um, Lester's the worst spot Lester can ever be in is first, apparently. <laughs> ever since they won the league. And once they get into first place, they start losing again. So they should probably stay in like third or fourth just to be safe. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe that's uh, that's the best bet for them. Um, we'll see, though. It's still a long season. They're only three points behind Tottenham in, in first. Uh, last game of the week West Ham 2, Aston Villa 1. Ding, ding, ding. Two of us got this one right. No, all three of us got this one right. That yeah, was we all the, saw each uh, other. We all said <laughs> the same result. And we all thought we would be wrong, but we said, yep. what if it actually happened? It actually happened. So I'm now very happy that they called that Watkins goal back. It finishes 2-1 West Ham over Villa. We all predicted the Hammers would win uh, 2-1. So, man, it's like end of the world type stuff here. Two minutes in, Ogbonna scores for West Ham. 25 minutes in, Jack Grealis scores a pretty good goal for Villa. Uh, 46 minutes in, Bowen scores for West Ham. And then 74 minutes in, a missed penalty for Ollie Watkins. And then in stoppage time, he misses, uh, he scores, but it's called offsides. I think that's a pretty clear offsides. I know some people do not. And I'm sticking with that now that we got the score right. Uh, I'm not, I'm not, nobody can convince me it was a legit goal. Um, any thoughts here? I, I, mean, I guess there's not much to think about. We all got it right. None of us can have any hot takes on this one, I don't think. Right, right Matt? <laughs> You know, it not really, but it's again, it's just upsetting to see another game where VAR in the last moment has to be the big talking point because somebody's armpit is further than someone else's armpit when both of their arms are out. So, I mean, it's, it's annoying, but I we've already gone over it, so there's not much else we can talk about with VAR at that point. Uh, Logan, any thoughts on, uh, I mean, really, if, uh, if Aston Villa would have won this one, they would be up to, uh, like fourth or fifth place. They'd be in fourth. Actually, they have a better goal differential than Leicester, but West Ham all the way up to fifth right now. Uh, they're only a few points out of first place. I started watching the season with them. Like I, I remember them clearly playing Arsenal and looking good, and and I thought Arsenal was good then. Um, and just you know some of the games that they've been in, um, I've been impressed. They they hung in there with City and got a draw out of that, um, which you know that that they they just play well. And when Antonio's healthy, because um, he's been struggling with some hamstring problems, they they're they're a solid team. I, I like what they they've put together and they've clearly been a surprise because I think a lot of people thought they might be bottom half of the table. Um, so they, they, they really have shocked a lot of people and it's cool just to see them be successful. I think. All right. Um, let's move on here. The top four currently as it stands, Tottenham in first with 21 Points, 12 goal differential. Liverpool in second with 21 points and a five goal differential. Chelsea in third with a 19 points, 12 goal differential. Leicester in fourth with 18 points and a five goal differential. The bottom three, as it currently stands, 18th place, West Brom with six points and a minus 11 
goal differential. Burnley in 19th with five points and a minus 13th, 13 goal differential. And in 20th spot, Sheffield with one point and minus 11 goal differential. Current Golden Boot has not changed it out at all. Calvert-Lewin still with 10, Sun with 9, Salah with 8, and Vardy with 8. Moving on to the games this week. Friday, December 4th, Aston Villa versus Newcastle. Guess what? We're predicting this one. Logan, what do you got here? Do we lose him? I'm uh, muted. I'm muted. All right. Oh. <laughs> now you can hear me. I was like, wait a minute. How come they're not reacting to my call? Because like Jordan was not answering my thing. I was like, wait, what's happening? Um, <laughs> I'm gonna go with. I'm gonna go with Newcastle winning this one. That's what I said when I was muted. Um, but uh, I'm gonna go with Newcastle. I think Aston Villa start to kind of play their way back down towards um, mid table um, and back where they kind of belong. And I think that Newcastle, um, for some reason, uh, start playing well. I'm going to say that over the next couple of stretching games, I've had a good feeling about Newcastle playing well, um, just by the way that they've played lately. So, yeah, I'm going to go Newcastle 2-0. All right. I'm going to go Villa 2-1, just because of the fact that uh, Newcastle has so many COVID issues right now. Uh, but no take back, Logan. You're you're locked in, Matt. You're what, what's I your totally prediction? I totally forgot here? about that. <laughs> <laughs> Jordan took my prediction. I was gonna say the exact same reason: two-one <laughs> Villa due to all the other COVID issues that Newcastle. Had. Just wait till Newcastle wins. I'll show you. <laughs> uh, sure. Uh, uh, December fifth at seven thirty, we have Burnley versus Everton. Then at ten a.m., Man City versus Fulham. Uh, West Ham versus Man U at 12.30, and Chelsea versus Leeds at 3 o'clock. We are predicting uh, West Ham versus Manchester United. I am going to go keep on riding with the Hammers here. I'm going to say a 1-0 victory. Uh, Matt, who do you got? Uh, yeah, I was, I'm going to be going with West Ham, too. I think they match up well with United. Um just physicality-wise, I think West Ham end up winning it 2-1. Logs. I got to stick with the Hammers as well, um, and not just because I don't like United. Um, I, I'm going to go Hammers, and I'm going to say 2-1 uh, Hammers, and they're just playing really well, and I, I like the, like Matt said, I think they match up really well against that horrible defense that United tries to play. <laughs> oh, man. West Ham fans are like, don't jinx us. You, you got it right this week, but why are you tempting fate again? <laughs> uh, Sunday, December 6th, West Brom versus Palace, 7 a.m. Sheffield versus Leicester at 9.15. Tottenham versus Arsenal at 11.30. And Liverpool Wolves at 2.15. We are predicting Tottenham Arsenal. Um, Logan, I'll let you have the floor first. Oh, man, this should be a lot of goals um, for Tottenham and then none for Arsenal. Um, <laughs> I'm going to say that uh, Tottenham absolutely sh- smashed Arsenal just to add to even more uh, trouble for, for Arteta, just because I think this is this is probably the biggest headache that you could have coming off of their really underwhelming performance. And I think Tottenham wins. I'm going to go 3-0 for Tottenham. 
Yeah, I have Spurs 3-1. We didn't even talk about this, but Arsenal has the worst start in their history uh, through 10 games. Uh, Matt, your prediction. Uh, yeah, it's just not a good matchup for Arsenal because they're going to have to score goals to, to win this one. Um, I'd see it Tottenham winning 3-0 as well. Just, Tottenham are a better team, and Arsenal, if... You got if you're playing one of these teams like a, a Tottenham, Liverpool, you know these types of, you know Man City, Chelsea, like Arsenal are gonna have to score some type of goal, more than one, and they just can't do it right now. So it's Tottenham three nil. I just just seems too easy for Tottenham this game. All right, Brighton versus Southampton. That's Monday, December seventh, three p.m. I have Southampton winning one nil. Uh, Logan, who do you have? Yeah, I'm going to go Southampton 2-1. I think that Brighton can't Brighton can't fight with some of these big teams. And Matt? I'm going to be opposite. I'm actually, well, not fully opposite. I think this is a draw. I think this is a 1-1 draw. Um, Brighton have played some solid games, and I think Southampton, as well as they've played, can be a little stagnant at times. Um and I just think it's going to catch up to him. I think it's going to be an issue at this game. I think it ends 1-1. All right. Well, that about wraps us up here. This was a sort of long one, I guess. Um, if you want to follow us on the Twitter and all of our socials, uh, we are on Twitter at Stop It Show. Facebook.com slash stoppage time soccer show, email stoppage time show at gmail.com, Instagram at stoppage time soccer show. We do have another show called the Stateside Soccer Show. That is on Twitter at Stateside Show. Uh, Greg Burholter just released his roster for the December 9th friendly against El Salvador. I will be talking about that probably on Friday because they just moved the Kansas City playoff game from Wednesday to Thursday now that the NFL slot on Thursday is open. So they want to put that on Big Fox, you know, the main national network. Um, so that's what they're going to do there. Um, so that's going to – I was originally going to record on Thursday, um, but now I guess I have to do that on Friday. So we'll talk about the roster. We'll talk about the uh, semifinals of the – the conference semifinals of the MLS playoffs and some Americans abroad there as well. But that wraps it all up. Have a great rest of your week and we will catch you all next, next Monday. Kane has stolen it at the death. That's what he's there for. Thank you for listening to stoppage time soccer show. We hope that you continue to listen to our show and listen to us recap the English Premier League from our perspective. We'll also be talking some Champions League and any other leagues that impact world soccer.